the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about healthcare these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor. And he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, Tampa Bay. Good morning, Florida. Good morning, United States. Good morning, world. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And I am international, as you all know by now. You can reach me on your corn pewter at 860-WGUL.com. That's 860-WGUL.com. Click Listen Live, and here I am. This is talk radio. It's interactive, but I do stick to one theme, and I usually ask the questions rather than you asking the questions, although I welcome comments on the topic as we go through it. We are at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. And if you're in North America, outside of the Tampa Bay, Florida area, give us a shout at 877 969 8600. That's 877 969 8600. Well, guys, we got a real dogfight over there in Ferguson, Missouri, don't we? Oh my gosh, the cast of characters is really unbelievable. We got this young guy, Mike Brown, who was shot by Officer Darren Wilson. And Darren Wilson is being backed by his chief, Thomas Jackson. St. Louis County prosecutor is Bob McCullough. And there's some controversy about Bob because his father was a cop who was killed in the 1960s by a black uh, person. The Missouri Highway Patrol Captain Ron Johnson, who's black, who came to Ferguson to help out and to try and calm things down. And then we've got Missouri Governor Jay Nixon, who sent in first the state and then the National Guard and now has pulled them back out. We got Attorney Benjamin Crump. You guys remember him from when he was down here on the Trayvon Martin uh, Zimmerman case, and we talked about that a little while back. And then, of course, Attorney General Eric Holder jumped into the mess early on, now seems to be backing down and trying to put on a face of uh, equality and fairness, which is good. Uh, We can all understand his feelings. Of course, he is our Attorney General, and we hope that he will represent all the people Well, you know, I thought about this after one of the guys in the lunchroom called me Wednesday evening passed, and he was concerned about a question that was being asked by our our, our online medical uh, charting program, electronic medical record called Practice Fusion. So this is a program that you can access with your computer in the cloud. You don't have to have the hardware or the software in the office, just a computer, laptop, pad, whatever. 
And part of the program is prescribing electronically. That is, you can send a prescription from the office, from your computer, or from anywhere in the world, basically, where you can get on the Internet uh, to the pharmacy that the patient uses and get their prescription filled. But because of all of the security that surrounds prescription drugs and the writing of prescriptions, there's a lot of double checks that are going on now. And so the program wanted to re uh, reappoint or renew or recredential all the doctors that are doing this. And they were asking for things like your, your social security number, your bank account, make of your car, birthplace, your mother's maiden name, different things. And you say, well, how did they get all that? Listen, they get everything. The banks can see everything. Went for a loan and I gave my social security number and my name. And he said, oh yeah, here you are doc. And he had everything right in front of him about me. Now, you get the idea. Nick's concerned about his privacy and security. I don't blame him, but I told him I answered them. What's the difference? They've got it all anyway. It's a re legitimate request. A lot of the states and the federal government are saying if you want to prescribe narcotics, you have to have this and that. If you want to prescribe antibiotics and different things. So this is a push by the government, security consultants, insurers, programmers, and the government wants all the docs using the electronic medical records reimbursements tied to this now. If you don't use it, you get ding two or three percent if you're billing Medicare and Medicaid. So it's all over the place. And so I thought about that. And I thought about an article I read where one of the uh, writers was talking about these body cams, these body cameras that are being used by some police forces around the country now. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And the Further lack of our privacy, because these guys can turn these things on and film us. But they also have done some good because they've checked a lot of people and cops from uh, lying and from being aggressive. You know, if we're being watched, we're less likely to steal. I don't know about you, but if somebody's looking at me in a store and I'm thinking about shoplifting a piece of bubble gum, I'm going to think twice. I mean, that bubble gum's not that important. So we all have our, our personal faces and our public faces. So what happened out here? Obviously, the Ferguson Department doesn't have body cams. And I don't think they had cameras on their squad cars either. It's a small force, 50-something. And so apparently, Michael Brown got into it with the officer. Sounds like he ran away and then came back. And the officer thought he was charging him. I think that he had hit the officer in the face. Now, there's disagreement about what actually happened, but the officer drew his gun and shot. And some people are saying he had his hands up in surrender. Doesn't look like that from the initial autopsy uh, findings that I've looked at. Looks more like he was standing, facing the officer, or charging him. Some said he had his back turned to the cop. Well, that the autopsy completely uh, discounts. Did Brown reach into the cruiser's car for the cop's weapon as the police maintained? It's a dispute would, that would be easily resolved if the officer had been wearing a body camera. Now standard practice in a number of uh, police departments around the country, a few out in California and Arizona, uh, have already adopted this, and it might settle questions like this quickly and decisively. 
and it might decrease the number of shootings, and it might decrease the number of assaults on police, and it might decrease the police using their force unduly and unjustly. So what do we do when we have an unarmed man charging us? Well, Chris and I were talking about that before the show started, and Chris said, what would you do if I was charging you, Doc? And I said, Chris, you're 6'2", and you're a big guy. I'm a skinny little old man, 65 years old, 5'10". I'd shoot you. I'd fear for my life. Would it matter if you're white or black? Well, I think there's a, a, undeniably there's an element of prejudice in any society between different ethnic and religious and social groups. But if you think somebody's coming at you to kill you, it doesn't matter what color they are. You better pull and shoot. What about the police? Well, I think there's a little bit of uh, street smarts that come with uh, being a teenage male, and I can speak to that personally because I got into some trouble as a young man, and I probably did things as bad as this kid did, if not worse. But guess what? When I heard the police were coming, buddy, I was gone. I didn't go up and confront them. You know, if you're going to do the deed, then get your butt out of town in a hurry. I mean, you know, if you're going to steal a case of beer off a beer truck as a teenager, don't hang around to see if the driver's going to figure it out. <laughs> go. So I don't know why this kid stopped and came back. You know, the cop probably saw him acting funny, called him over. They got into it. But, you know, if you're going to knock off a liquor store, dude, don't sit on the corner drinking the liquor and counting your money. It doesn't make any sense to me. Something else was going on. A body cam would be helpful. Unarmed men who confront a policeman have to think twice. I mean, either something's wrong with you mentally, you're drunk, you're stoned, or you don't care, you're depressed, you want to be shot by a cop and have suicide by a cop. But who knows? So all these differences between witnesses and cops and citizens and people on the street is going to make for a, a good play, good show. It'll keep the press busy. And it's obviously getting a lot, a lot of, of concern and play. We even had Eric Holder, our top cop in the nation, our attorney general, head out. I'm assuming at the request of the White House, but he probably was okay with it. And I can see that in an attempt to calm the clashes between police and protesters and to reassure black Americans by taking aggressive investigational steps. And that's part of his job. Now, it's unusual for an attorney general to come out this early in the situation, but I think that, again, shows the big difference between the uh, – Right and the left, the left feels that the federal government should be involved in and should oversee everything, and the right says, no, we have the states. That's, that's why we set this thing up like this. That's why the Constitution is the way that it is, so that we don't have a federal government that is overwhelming and that, uh, as with many cases, has absolute power, and absolute power absolutely corrupts, and we all know that. And that's why we broke away from Britain. But he came out. I don't have a problem with that. And they're considering the Justice Department whether to open a pattern and practice investigation of the 53-man Ferguson police force. Pattern and practice investigation looks into all of your arrests, how they were handled, all of your bookings, all of your interrogations. 
And this is obviously, uh, in part, a political reason to try and reassure that element of the constituency that uh, is upset the most. And the FBI probing into this is going to make it tougher for the state and the local jurisdictions to complete their job. But I think most of it has been pretty well uh, dissected out and vetted out. The preliminary autopsy by the forensic pathologist for the county has been performed. We've had second and now third autopsies. We haven't heard the report from the military pathologists, and I met one of these guys. They're pretty interesting characters. you got to have a really uh, different outlook on the world if you like being a forensic pathologist. My nephew's one. He just loves digging around in dead bodies, and it's it's just, you know, it's beyond me. I, I mean, I, you know, I was a doctor. I had to go to the cadaver lab and do all that, and it didn't bother me much, but spend your life, oh, my gosh. Any rate, so we've got this this big play that's going on. The Pew Research Center took some polls recently. 22% of Republicans felt that Ferguson raises important issues about race as compared to 68% of the Democrats. Now, 61% of the Republicans said race is getting too much of attention, and only 21% said of the Democrats said race is getting too much attention. So obviously we're already polarized on this. And, you know, I've been accused of all kinds of things. You know, I'm a racist. I'm a sexist. I'm a, I mean, my, what are you talking about? My wife's Korean. She was raised a Buddhist. Uh, my office staff had Haitians and uh, Moroccans in it. And I just ate lunch with one of our Moroccan young men who worked in the office. And he's gone back for his physician assistant degree. Hugged him and kissed him like he's a son. Well, he's from Morocco. So he's, you know, 90% chance he's going to be a Muslim. His name is Mohammed, so he's a Muslim. Great guy, nice guy. The Moroccans I've met have been just wonderful people. So you can't judge a book by looking at the cover, and you certainly can't judge everybody, every white person or every cop or even the township of Ferguson based upon our old remembered differences or our misperceptions or perceptions. And, you know, Holder said he understands how how this young man felt as a black man being stopped by a cop because he and his brother or friend were running to get to a movie on time uh, in Georgetown, uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., when he was a student. And the police stopped him. And uh, he was furious, but he held it together. Well, he doesn't need to feel alone. I mean, I've been stopped for driving an old pickup, and I wasn't doing anything wrong. I had an old panel truck back in my hippie days, and I was just driving home in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by cops. I get out with my hands up. What's going on, guys? They said, where you been? I said, oh, my girlfriend's down the street here. I said, why are you stopping me? We've had reports of somebody in an old panel truck robbing the neighborhood. Well, you know, this happens. When you look out of line, when you fit a profile, then the cops are trained to stop and, and talk and listen and look at you. And I understand that. No, I didn't like it. I felt, quote, quote, violated. But I got over it quickly. So, look, if the police are taught to profile people who are acting unusual, and you can see this on all the cop shows, if they won't make eye contact with the police, if they're driving erratically, 
if they're running away from a, a liquor store or a convenience store, the cops are going to be interested. You're going to catch their attention. This is what they're trained to do. And so what happens when a cop does get into a confrontation with somebody and they feel that their life is threatened? And this is very important to understand. And you probably won't hear this anywhere else, except if you're on the jury panel that hears the, the case trial and sees the evidence, or if you're on the grand jury. Dr. Steve, a former ER doctor at St. Pete General, where I do most of my hospital work, was also a former cop. He was a county cop here in Pinellas County, Florida. And I asked him about how they were taught to shoot and if he had ever shot anybody. And he said, yeah, I've killed two people in the line of duty. I said, how does that work? What do you have to do? I mean, do you have special training? And he said, yeah, do this, Bill. He said, make a, a pistol with your fist. Make a fist and then stick your index finger out and your thumb up like the little boys do when they're playing guns. Okay, now put it down by your side like it's in the holster. And then the minute you get it out and point it away from you, start shooting and you unload your clip. Well, if you do that, if you stand up and you do this, don't stand up if you're driving now, or Chris and I will be upset. It, so you stand up and you put this down by your side. Now watch your fingertip, watch the arc it makes as you go to shoot. Okay, you see how your, your elbow's bent? So initially, if you're right-handed, your, your pistol's pointing a little bit to the left. And if you're left-handed, your pistol's pointing a little bit to your right. And as you straighten out your elbow and come up, you're going to make a little arc, and that arc marches right up Mr. Brown's arm, shoulder, and then head. And that's what they're taught to do. And you say, well, isn't that overkill to shoot six or eight bullets at somebody? They're shooting the minute their gun is out of their holster. That's what they're taught to do. And they're taught not to stop shooting until the person is on the ground. So the guy's following his training. Whether it was justified or not, that's what we'll have to see. But all this uh, drama and hoopla about overkill and uh, the way the police are shooting everything up and why did they have to shoot him so many times? Well, you can see is that arc, that gentle part of a circle, goes up and more central, you're going to hit the arm and the shoulder. You're not going to hit anything vital until you get into the chest or the head. So... Was it justified? I don't know. Was he following what he's taught to do? Yeah, he better. You know, we're paying these guys to do this. And if they do not follow the protocol and they get killed or they get injured or they get disabled, guess who's on the hook? We are. You know, we're paying taxes. So these guys have a job and do this job. That's what we're paying them to do. Maybe we should retrain them. Maybe we should have different weapons in their hands that are not fatal, but will incapacitate somebody. But, you know, it's like the tasers and the stun guns. You get somebody who's hopped up on cocaine or on ecstasy, and they're not going to stop. I mean, because they don't have the same feeling. The drugs have, have interfered with the nerve system's ability to transmit impulses from the skin and the peripheral parts of the body up into the brain so they just keep going so obviously that works in some situations but not always did he have a taser gun he could have shot i don't know we'll have to see but you you can understand now how the shooting happens and why the bullets are fired and where they landed and why they landed that way
and it's uh, it's it's a real eye opener. And I was grateful to Steve for sharing that with me. I really did not think that uh, that the police fired the way he said they did. You know, I thought they pulled their guns straight up and aimed and fired. He said, "Bill, if you do that, and the other guy's got a gun, he's going to shoot you first. You know, it's it's kind of like the old west, I guess, in that respect. Once it's to that level, you better be the fastest on the draw, and you better be the the coolest in the in the in the crowd, so you can hit your target and and live, survive. What about the idea that Brown was surrendering? Well, you know the Initial coroner's report, which, which I looked at, showed that the wounds were all frontal. The entry was on the front of the body. So that doesn't go along with surrendering. And obviously he was standing at least until the, uh, the final shots were fired. And he may have started to duck at that point, And that's when he caught one in the head. I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't there and we don't have any videos of it. But certainly he was not shot from behind. And I don't see any evidence with the bullet wounds that he was surrendering because the entry wounds were on the back of his arm, the side of his arm, not on the front of his arm as if he had his guns up. The front would be the palm side of the arm. So if you hold your hands up in the air like you're surrendering, it doesn't make any sense. The, the entry wounds are on the other side, and also the firing of the of the shells marches up perfectly with how the police are taught. So if you had your hands up and you were shooting from up down, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's not how they're taught to do it. So I don't think that he was surrendering again. We don't know for sure what was going on until we get all the, uh, all the information. And we may not know everything accurately because witnesses are notoriously uh, inaccurate. You know, three people see three different things when they're looking at a shooting or when they're looking at the weather even. You know, I look out the window to the east of my house, and it looks pretty clear, and the wife's in the back of the house on the west, and she says, boy, it's going to storm like crazy today. So what are you talking about? It's, it's uh, you know, it's blue skies out here. Our perspectives are different. They're not necessarily uh, dishonest or, or inaccurate. They're just that clip of the movie that we see. If we don't see the whole movie, then we don't know. So what about these new uh, body cams are being used? And they seem to be getting popular, and they've gotten a lot of play. Even Fox News mentioned them yesterday. They scooped me, Chris. <laughs> they scooped me, man. Well, actually, the Washington Post reported on it because of the San Francisco Times. and you know. But here we go. We've got to get it out there. Even the left agrees. The routine use of body cameras by police would be good for everybody. And if this technology is adopted alongside good policies like protecting our privacy with these cams, then it would certainly limit the debate in situations like this. We'd know for sure what happened. And it also will put the onus of acting properly, of being appropriate in a public setting or in an interaction with the police or the police with us, because if we know we're being watched, as I said earlier, we're less likely to do something stupid or impulsive. That's not everybody, of course. Of course, we have really sick people in the society who doesn't matter what you say or do or what you have or don't have. My concern, of course, is that 
if we do use these, it's going to open up a whole can of worms for civil litigation. In the criminal side, it's a great thing. But will the trial lawyers start using this film for civil litigation? And will they be able to uh, obtain this in discovery in that part of the process of a suit where you enter evidence, you enter statements into the official record so you can talk about it in court? Don't know. Professor John Jay at the College of Criminal Law, Justice, and a retired New York cop said it will keep the police doing a better job, keep the public in line too. It's unknown how many police departments are now using these body cams. And so far, there's not a lot of evidence, there's not a lot of studies, there's not a lot of data to say how this is going to turn out, how it will work. But in Rialto, California, which is a relatively small police force of 115 officers, it's about twice the size of Ferguson, they started using these a year or two ago. And they've seen the use of force by police drop by 60%, 60% after body cams were used. And citizen complaints against police officers dropped by 88%. Pretty good. You know, it'll cut out some of the crap and it'll make the police stop and think before they do something. They'll have to stop and say, is this guy really a threat? Or is he just that kind of a person that he's talking crazy and he's not really a threat? He doesn't have any. Of course, you've got to be on your guard because you don't know. But you may give it that second look, and that's important. And I also think there's a portion of this that is helping to have transparency as to what the cops are doing to the community at large, which is good. And this is what the top cop out in Rialto, California, said, Randy DeAnda, DeAnda, I can't, can't pronounce all these names, Captain DeAnda, the footage is useful as evidence during prosecution. Yeah. The presence of the camera seems to serve as a check on false accusations. Yeah, on both sides. And inappropriate behavior by both police and citizens. So it works. Plus, it's already served as protection for cops who have been accused of using excessive force. And he quotes that we're talking about uh, the, the Ferguson, Missouri situation and the cops, and we're on to body cameras now. If they had had body cameras on the cops, we might have a whole different story here. So in the first few months of the use of these things in Rialto, California, an officer responded to a report of a man with a gun in what turned out to be, as Captain DeAnda says, suicide by cop. The man pointed gun at officer, and the officer shot and killed him, and they later found a suicide note in his vehicle. Well, some witnesses who were shooting from behind the cop and a little bit away posted the video claiming that the officer had shot an unarmed man waving a cell phone. And so it went viral. The kids put it on the uh, internet, went viral. Well, the police department was able to respond with not only its version of the events, but also with video. So they put their video on uh, to counter this. And there you go. So it made for a great internet chatter, but it wasn't true that the cops shot an unarmed man. If they hadn't had their body cams on them, wouldn't have gotten that video, wouldn't have known. 
would have been accused falsely of, of uh, police brutality. Another situation where a young man in the same police force alleged that he was beaten up and abused by an officer dealing with an altercation at a party. And the department was able to pull the tape from the officer's partner who was wearing his body cam and turned it on, showing that, in fact, the accuser, the perp, had been the aggressor. He was going after the cops. He'd probably drunk, but, you know, you still got to deal with it. I mean, if you're a cop, it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with somebody who's drunk or sober or high on drugs. If they're charging you, you got to do something. You got to protect yourself. So other jurisdictions, Phoenix and Mesa, Arizona, have uh, added the cams and a number of other jurisdictions, and they're gathering data and looking that over. And Michael White, Arizona State University criminal justice expert, feels that it will decrease complaints about the police and police use of force. And he's written a report for the Department of Justice. You know, that's what Eric Holder is over on the use of the body cams, and apparently he's all for it. But what about our privacy, as I mentioned earlier? How will this be protected? Will police use this to charge someone for an unrelated crime? So if there's domestic violence and you go to the home and the wife says you can come in and the husband doesn't want you in and then they find some stolen goods, uh, is this unlawful search and seizure? Is this unlawful entry? Do you need a warrant to come back and search the house? Or can you just right there say, dude, that's hot stuff. You're under arrest and put the cuffs on them. So there's going to be some, some privacy issues and some amendment issues about this that we'll have to look at and debate. And we'll do that a little bit later in the show. But right now, I think that we better take a little coffee break because I'm running out of steam. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'll be right back. Don't go away now. SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. It was a rude wake-up call for thousands of people in the Oakland-San Francisco area this morning. A preliminary magnitude of 6.0 struck just before 3.30 this morning. It was the largest earthquake to shake the Bay Area since 1989. Heavy rain has fallen in parts of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic from a tropical depression that has now become Tropical Storm Cristobal. Thousands are without power and water. The storm is headed for the Bahamas. Authorities say they're investigating a fiery crash on Long Island that killed five people, including two children. New York State Police say a car veered off the Southern State Parkway late last night and struck a tree. Open Doors USA says the refugee crisis in Iraq is overwhelming. It's estimated that some 70,000 displaced Christians have arrived in Erbil after being forced out of their homes by militants. 
This is SRN News. Dennis Prager explains why most of Europe doesn't like the United States. America was the last major country in the world. The last major country to have a strong national and strong religious identity. That is one of the reasons for anti-Americanism among the world's left. It's a very deep philosophical divide. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right after Mike Gallagher at 9, on Talk Radio 860, WGUL. Sacrifice. When you have children, sacrifice just comes with the territory. You sacrifice a new outfit for a new baseball glove. You sacrifice a romantic getaway for a summer missions trip. You sacrifice because you love your child and you want them to have every advantage. Let us help you lessen the sacrifice it takes to send your son or daughter to the finest Christian schools in Tampa Bay by half. That's right. When you go to superradiodeals.com, you'll find half-off tuition for some of our community's most reputable faith-based schools, ranging from preschool all the way to Bible college. And you won't have to sacrifice hours in the car either. Our partner schools are located throughout the Bay Area. Chances are there's one near you. You want the best for your child. You're willing to sacrifice. We're ready to help with half-price tuition to faith-based schools. Explore your options today at superradiodeals.com. That's superradiodeals.com. We want to know, how do you use WebEx? Last week, I started a meeting on my office computer. I had to go across town for another meeting. So Mike drove, and I was able to finish my WebEx meeting using the WebEx app on my smartphone. This is how you do business. Connect online and share what's on your computer screen with others. Anytime, anywhere. On their desktop, on their laptop, or mobile device. Go to WebEx.com right now and try WebEx free. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. We'll see a few heavy thunderstorms today. Otherwise, there will be a blend of clouds and sunshine, I-93. We'll see some drenching thunderstorms this evening. Otherwise, patchy clouds are likely tonight, low 77. Clouds will make breaks for sunshine tomorrow. We'll expect a shower of thunderstorm in the afternoon, high 90. And Tuesday, we'll see a blend of clouds and sunshine with thunderstorms, high 92. That's your ranking weather forecast. I'm Benny Thompson for Talk Radio 860 WGUL. This is Dr. Bill. I'm back. You're on Dr. Bill, your Radio MD show. And we're talking about the situation out in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, the, the uh, killing of young Mr. Brown uh, by, I think it was, uh, Officer Wilson. We've kind of morphed the show into talking about preventing these kinds of situations uh, by using these body cameras that are becoming more popular with the police departments. They're just little cameras that sit on the outside of the clothes on your chest, and you can press a press a button, and it starts recording, and then you turn it off. It's a digital, digital recording, and so it can be retrieved with the computer. You can look at it and see what actually went on. And the studies so far, the information so far, has shown that it's decreasing police brutality. Uh, it's decreasing claims of police brutality. It's increasing... Uh, false statements by people that are being investigated. It's, it's showing the actual circumstances of situations, and that's a good thing. Now, we were talking during the break, uh, 
Chris and I, and I think Joe's still there in the studio with him too, uh, that we feel that we have to protect innocent till proven guilty so that we need to see the data. And although we want to be protected and we want our police to do the job and do it right, we also want to make sure that our personal rights under the Bill of Rights is protected. And, and I think that's, that's certainly a reasonable thing to do. But I've got a couple of questions. We'll give away two $25 gift certificates. Since we've talked about this and you guys have heard this, then what do you think? Should body cams, body cameras be used by all police departments? Should that be mandatory? Let me ask that a question again. Should body cams or body cameras be used by all police departments? And the second question is, and you only get one certificate, so you get one question. Is this or is this not an invasion of our privacy to have cameras on the cops videoing what we're doing? while they're talking to us. Is this an invasion of our privacy? If you have a, an answer or an opinion, give me a shout at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. And if you're outside the Tampa Bay area, anywhere in North America, 877 969 That's 877 877- Nine six nine eighty six hundred, and that number obviously is going to be good in in Canada, parts of the Caribbean, and I don't know if it goes down into Mexico yet or not. I don't think so, but it, it may. It may. Times are changing, so give me a shot and let's see what you have to say about that. Again, the questions are: Should body cameras be used by all police departments, and is this an invasion of our privacy? How should we handle this? One thing's for sure, that these body cameras are going to make for great case law. The courts are going to be flooded with lawsuits and uh, appeals, and it should be interesting. And that part of the law I enjoy. I like to see it evolving. I like to see which way we're going and why and how closely we stick to the Constitution. And, you know, I don't really think that the the uh, the Constitution and all the problems that were being debated at the Constitutional Convention and uh, what Mr. Mason insisted upon, which was a Bill of Rights, followed a year or two after the Constitution, and the amendments that we have made to it, I don't think that it's really uh, out of place for now or then. And I've been in this debate with people repeatedly who say, well, the Constitution's not relevant. It's not up to date. It's not part of our life now. You know, they had the same debates at the Constitutional Convention that we have now. Civil rights. Who should vote? What about slavery? What about arming the government? Should we have a tax? How much tax? How do we protect ourselves from an overbearing government? All the same things that we're talking about now. Nothing's new. Nothing's changed. We've got a caller. Oh, we got a caller. We got John from St. Pete. Come on, John. Talk to me, buddy. Oh, very good show. So I enjoyed it. I didn't know your show was on. It you know, makes a nice show. Uh, I'm curious. Last night I saw about six homeless people arrested. Very, very easygoing. People just like to sit in the park where I live, Mirror Lake. And I was wondering if I pulled out my phone and started filming what was going on. Would I got arrested for that and whether I should have been or not? No. The police cannot cannot arrest you for uh, filming. Now, if it's a crime scene that's already been taped off, and the the police and the county 
corner have taken control of it, that might be a little different story. But if you're a citizen in a public place, you can take a, a video. I wouldn't do that at uh, at uh, a silo missile, you know, nuclear missile base. They might not right. like that, but right. you know, I think I think you can get away with it in town. And yeah, you can. You're free to shoot. Uh, because I was a little concerned when they had arrested uh, newspaper uh, or TV reporters. Did you hear about that over in Ferguson? No. Did they re- arrest one of them? Yeah, they were. Well, it's a long story, but they were in a McDonald's, you know, writing up uh, their story and changing their film and the, and the video camera. Obviously, press people. And the the, the guy, well, he got on a, one of these shows and gave his side of the story, and then somebody had taped that, the, uh, you know, audio, and it was, the police were very, very polite, and this guy was very insistent that he should be allowed because he's press. So it was not so much what he was doing as the way he did it. And I think the police just emotionally lost their tempers and would just get out of here. But to hear the, poli- the, the, the story in the New York Times and everything, it was just the opposite. It was like to get just walked in and says, get out of here, you know. So there's always two sides to every story, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's two sides. And, you know, remember, this has already been this once the National Guard or the state police get there that, you know, you're under state or uh, federal uh, military law and you don't have a choice if this governor or if the president comes in and declares a state of emergency and sends in the armed forces, whether they're state militia or whether they're National Guardsmen. Once that happens, then they have control. And I have been in situations like that after a tornado ripped through Louisville when I was a medical student for a few weeks there while they were trying to clean up and keep people from looting. Uh, they had National Guardsmen stationed at our at our street, on our wow. street. And I had to show my ID to get back to my house. So, right. So I think that, that there, there are, you know, it's like a freedom of speech. Freedom of speech doesn't apply to my office, doesn't apply to your home. It doesn't apply to a piece of property that you own or a store that you're running. It applies to public places. And if you're going to do certain things like have a rally, you have to get a permit from the city or the county or the state. It's it's, It's not that we're stepping on freedom of speech, but we just have to know where it's appropriate and when it's appropriate to speak your mind freely. And it's not appropriate and it's not acceptable. And you cannot have freedom of speech in my house, on my property, if I don't want you to. Well, did you know the governor of that state, Nixon, did not want them to release the fact that this guy had robbed a store? He was very upset that uh, they did that. They said, it's just going to make things worse. I I don't. Well, it will. And then here's the thing that happens is if you prejudice the jury pool in advance, then it makes it tougher to find a, a an unbiased jury pool. You may have to move it out of the state, but now that it's national news, it's going to be tough, very tough. That's one of the problems, and one of the one of the bedrocks of our uh, of our legal system is that you're innocent till you're proven guilty. And if this guy was the guy in that video, and he was arrested, and he was proven to be uh, guilty of stealing, strong arming, whatever, then that would become admissible because it's tied to this case. But you don't know that, and that's the problem. And we have a really, you know, our legal system actually functions very, uh, very tightly for the most part. The only time I've seen it kind of waver from what you would think it is is when you when I went into federal court, and the the federal court judge who's appointed for life, he said, 
here, I'm the law. I am the absolute law. And that's all there is. And these guys live to make case law. So they may, 95% of the time, follow the the uh, structure of the system, follow the common law rulings and the Constitution. And 5% of the time, they may step outside of it in part to, wow. in part to, make, yeah, to make statements or to make new law from the bench or to get their name out because it's a controversial situation. So, Is but, that, was that a medical case? Uh, no, it was a personal. Well, it was several people. They were like the courtroom was full. It, very interesting. I had broken my neck, and it was a, a personal injury suit. Oh. And so the uh, the courtroom in Charleston, South Carolina, where we went, uh, it held about thirty, forty people, I would say. And then there was a federal judge, and there were uh, clerks and secretaries and stenographers. There were about eight or ten people coming and going, and he was up on the bench. And when he came in, he said, all right, everybody, I'm Judge so-and-so. I'm a federal district judge, and this is my courtroom, and I make the law. And you will wow. do what I say, or you will be put into jail. So, wow. And then he went around, very nicely introduced every lawyer, every plaintiff, every defendant, defendant, every criminal case. Everybody had to stand up and give their name, just like you were back in school, and say why you were there. You know, it was kind of an interesting uh, experience for me. I, I got another view of the of the, uh, the justice system that I had not seen as a young man. So it was pretty cool. But all in all, I think that you're raising some really great questions. And stay on the line and, and give Chris your uh, address, and we'll send you a $25 gift certificate to the restaurant of my wife's choice. And let's see if we have any other callers coming in. You got anybody else for me, Chris? Or are we still good to keep keep yakking? No one yet. All right. Okay. Good. So, well, by the way, we got one more question and one more answer due. Should body cams be worn by the police departments? And is this an invasion of our privacy? So, give me a shout at eight one three two eight nine one eight six zero. That's eight one three two eight nine eighteen sixty or 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600 if you're outside of our area. So we've been working on this body camera as a preventative mechanism to keep incidents like this from happening. And we want to see things like this in wide-scale use. You know, the thing that I say, uh, Chris said that he wants to see He's uh, more concerned about innocent until proven guilty, so he wants to see how these things work uh, before we put them into general use, and I can respect that. But, you know, what I can tell you is that most police forces now have cameras on their dashboards. And I don't think that that, or at least I haven't seen any cases where where that uh, tripped or precipitated uh, a lawsuit outside of the criminal on the civil side, or problems, but now I don't know the whole story. There may be some cases out there that have not been widely publicized, but it looks like, and they've had these for several years now, guys, it looks like these things have been helpful, have been helpful to show when the police are acting appropriately, uh, whether the stop they made was justified, and of course, for the most part, whether the people who were being stopped acted appropriately or whether they assaulted them and went after the police. And we've even seen on all the crime shows and all the videos and the news images of a policeman being shot and killed on their, taken by their own dash camera 
by somebody who they stopped on the interstate or on a back road. So we'll see how it pans out. But, you know, you can't take your squad car into somebody's home. And that's where I'm really concerned. What's going to happen if a guy turns on his camera in my home and I'm just making a complaint about a a dog that's barking, a barking dog next door, and he picks up something he sees as illegal? Can he do something right then and there? So we need to look at that and make sure that that is uh, well vetted, that it's well uh, studied, and that we've had enough incidences of it and enough case law and enough police departments using this to have a valid study. We've got to have enough. We're 300 plus million now. So we need more than one or two cases. So what if you filmed a child, a parent of a child who had been victimized? How would you deal with that? What if you felt that that child had been victimized after you went back and looked at your you're a cop and you go back to the station and you're looking at your film because you're not sure of what all you saw. What do you do? Well, fortunately, most states do have laws covering this. And if there's fear of child endangerment, abuse, or neglect, then doctors and lawyers and social workers and healthcare workers and police, we all have a responsibility, at least in Florida, to report. So we have to report this. And once you do that, then the uh, social welfare people and the city or county uh, cops go out and investigate, and they can take the child out of the home if they feel it's an it's a, a, a eminent danger to that child. So there are some situations where it may be of value, and you may think that your rights and your privacy are being invaded, but if you're doing something so egregious as abusing a child – then we got to stop and think that this is beyond our usual and customary concerns about rights of privacy and uh, unlawful invasion of our homes without a warrant. So we got to keep that in mind, too. Now, there are some of the <clears throat> academicians who argue, uh, in particular for a data protection policy, in which these videos are discarded after a matter of weeks, unless there's a real red flag and it has evidentiary or investigative value. And you can understand that because if you keep this around for months or years and with the time changing, let's say that the guy wants to file a, you know, a, a civil suit against the police department because the police hit him with a billy club or cuffed him too tight or whatever. And the people that took the film are off the force in four or five years or have moved on, and you can get the film because it's a civil trial, and civil trials are much broader in their ability to make discovery and bring in evidence into the courtroom than than in criminal trials because it's not a matter of sticking somebody in jail. It's a fight over money. Can you use that? Can you use what the cop filmed five or ten years ago? And and that's a big question. Should we get rid of of the film after a certain period of time? Well, this will certainly create another industry of people who re- review this. They will review it, and they will give reports back to their uh, commanding officers and their various police departments and say, I don't see anything there, or this one's of concern. You better save it, and you can look at it, Captain. Now, what about while a victim like a sexual assault survivor, assault sexual assault survivor, 
or should be able to give consent to an officer to stop recording, the officer himself should not be able to decide not to tape certain encounters. So, you know, if you have the cop in, in control of that button and he just tapes what he wants, then we're going to have to have a little chit chat with this guy because he may be hiding things from us. And, you know, the police have bad guys just like medicine and just like the law, just like everybody, every different walk of life. We all have our good and our bad. Well, the police are also wondering if constant recording is the only way to make this work and not to allow the police to turn it off and on. <clears throat> and the the uh, lawyers and the academicians are also debating this. Uh, that's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, of course, the cops might because if they're taking a little break when they're not supposed to and they're calling their honey at home or they're grabbing a donut <laughs> – <laughs> at the local Dunkin' Donuts, and they're not supposed to be doing that, then that's on tape, and it can be used against the cop if he's called in for a disciplinary hearing or if he's uh, put on probation because he's goofing off on the job. They're not going to like that, but, you know, that's part of the job. We're allowed to put cameras in our office. That's not an invasion of privacy. We can watch what our employees do and make sure they're doing their job. Nothing wrong with that. And none of us like change, and especially cops. You know, they're very entrenched. They're very black and white in their personalities, most of them. And they may not want this, and they may fight it and resist it. But it looks like the, the jurisdictions that have added these body cameras have actually uh, embraced them and, and like them. And it, it turns out to be protective for both the cops and the public. So in Ferguson, we're hearing two vastly different stories about what happened. The forensics to this point uh, throw a little bit of weight towards the police. We have a lot of eyewitnesses with differing stories. And unfortunately, there's no camera. There's no video of what happened. And if we got these body cameras, that might change it. And we might not have these problems. And as for Eric Holder uh, bringing in concerns about uh, bigotry and institutionalized police brutality, I have to think back to my own youth and disagree because I was treated the same way. I was just smart enough to run. Stories of police brutality and profiling may be overstated. And, you know, it reminds me of going through the airport, the uh, TSA, you know, the authority that clears you at the airport. We had been stopped for stupid things. I had a truss on, which is a, a, a thing for hernia support before I got it repaired, and it had metal in it, and I didn't get through the detector. And so the guy said, well, you have to come back here, sir, because I forgot I had it, and I told him, and you'll have to take off your pants. I said, no, I ain't going to do that, dude. I don't have time. Took my pants down right there, and he said, put them on, go, go. For God's sakes, I'm a 65-year-old doctor uh, who is way past wanting to be a terrorist. Well, fortunately, now we've got these clear pass lanes and certain credit cards like Amex. Uh, you get shunted to a fast lane with less security checks, and uh, it should be that way. There should be some profiling, or you should have a way in which people like me and you, who are decent law-abiding citizens and not terrorists, should be able to get through this, should be able to go through security without being harassed and treated like a common criminal. Am I... My wife even was stopped because uh, the wipe test showed a trace of ammonia. And ammonia is what makes up explosives. It's in the uh, 
It's in the makeup. Well, guys, you got it. We're getting near the end of the show, Chris. What do we got left? We got 30 seconds left, so I want you guys to reflect on this. Let's stay cool and calm. If Eric Holder is uh, intent on doing what he's doing, there's nothing much we can do about it except demand equity. I am Dr. Bill Handelman, your radio MD at Bay Area Medical, 727-384-6411. At 727-384-6411. See you next week. Radio 860, WGUL, Dunedin, Tampa Bay, a division of Salem. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.